0: Hello and welcome to Women Decode STEM and I am your host Neha Savano. In this podcast, I talk to women in science, engineering, technology and mathematics fields. We will be discussing career paths, gender equality and mentorship. Isabel Torres is academic editor, a freelance science writer and a science communicator. She holds a PhD in genetics from the University of Cambridge and lives in France with her four kids. With her love for science, she has founded Pretty Smart Science, which is a fun and intuitive website that uses illustration to make science more appealing to the general public. She's a true advocate for women in STEM and has co-founded Mothers in Science, an organization that supports and connects mothers in science and raises awareness of the challenges they face in their career and personal life. I'm so glad to have met her on the Instagram community because she's been a true supporter for me and several others in our journey. And I'm excited to have her on the show to share her experience with all of us.
1: Hi, Isabel. Hi, Isabel.
0: It's so great to have you on this show. Welcome.
1: Hi, thank you for inviting me. It's such a pleasure.
0: Yeah, I hope you're doing fine during this lockdown time.
1: (laughs) I'm coping, like everyone. (laughs) Okay,
0: great. Let's get started. So first I want to talk about what it is to be a science communicator, since that's one of your primary jobs.
1: Yes, being a science communicator can mean many things. So this basically didn't, didn't exist as a profession. So it, it's a very recent profession. And actually, I think most people do it on the side. So basically, researchers do science communication on the side. Um, so science communi- a science communicator can do many things. Can You can write a blog. You can Uh, do science communication on Instagram or another social media platform. You can organize events, you can work in a museum. So it's really very broad. um, And this is one of the reasons I enjoy it and why I think most people enjoy it. But, you know, you can do it as um, an additional thing to your research work, or you can do it as a profession, you know, like full time. If one
0: wants to become a science communicator, what do they need to have?
1: Um, As I said, this is is quite recent. If you're a researcher, you can just start doing it on your own, which is what a lot of people do. They just use Twitter or social media to speak about their own research. I started by going to schools to do uh, hands-on science experiments with, with the kids, which was really, really nice. And then I started organizing my own events. So I think a lot of people start like that, you know, while they are doing research, they start organizing projects or writing or making videos. And then eventually that can lead to, to a job in science communication or you can just carry on like that, being a researcher and doing science communication on the side. Um, there are some degrees, uh, there start to be some master degrees in science communication. I know for sure in the US there are some graduate programs in science communication in the UK for sure. Um, I don't know so well about other countries. It starts to gain momentum um, and I think more and more people are interested in doing it. So now let's see if governments and research institutions start investing in hiring science communicators because there's such a big need. I mean, especially now, these moments we're living with the coronavirus, there's some misinformation out there and, you know, people either are in denial or they panic because there's just no reliable information, the media are confused. Um, And this is when we see that there really is such a need for, you know, for people with a science background who can read the research paper and then translate that to the public in a a clear way.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know that there were degrees with respect to science communications. That's something new. Yeah.
1: Yes. Graduate degrees for sure. Undergraduate, I've never heard of any, but I'm pretty sure there there are master degrees, um, even PhD uh, graduate degrees in the US. I know someone on, on Instagram who's doing that. So yes. Okay. And then you can specialize, you know, if you, if you want to do movies, filmmaking, or if you want to write, then, you know, you can branch out to whatever you prefer to do or you know do just a mix of all those things which is what i do
0: that's really interesting yeah you can choose to do multiple media outlets that's a good way to let the world know the actual science information instead of just reading the news like you said so in the first place how did you get interested in the science field
1: um i was a very curious child i always liked school and i liked everything in school so i always loved learning and i still love learning and then I, I always had a preference for the sciences. Uh, at some point, I was quite indecisive between arts and science, and this is actually quite common. I think because both art and science are creative fields, so a, a lot of people like enjoy both. You know, I just fell in love with science. Art. In the beginning, when I was a young kid, I wanted to be an astronomer, uh, and then I just felt attracted to biology and the life sciences. And then in high school, I just completely fell in love with cell biology, and it is still my favorite subject. So I don't know, I just, I never get tired of speaking and learning uh, about science.
0: Okay, perfect. So is there a specific reason why you narrowed your research and PhD down to genetics?
1: Um, So my PhD is in genetics, just in title, because I was at the Department of Genetics, but uh, my PhD was mostly cell biology and I did a master's, which was more developmental biology. So, yeah, so my passion is cell biology. I I don't know, I just love to understand how cells work. It's just so complex. And in terms of development, you know, how one cell turns into a complex organism with tissues and organs and, you know, and consciousness, it just fascinates me, these questions, you know, how one organism with trillions of cells, they all have the same genome, but they're all different. Yes. So I'm really passionate about this question. I still am. (laughs) But I love all sciences and this is why I enjoy doing science communication because I can learn about so many different things and so many different fields.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. What has been your biggest challenge as a mother? When did you have your first kid and what challenges did you face during that period?
1: Um, So I had twins first and I was quite young, I think, compared to most moms nowadays. I was, I think, about 28. Uh, I was doing my PhD, which I had to stop earlier than predicted because twins, you know, they are often premature, so they were born prematurely. So the biggest challenge, I think, as a mom, there's two big challenges for me. One is definitely, or it has been, being tired all the time, you know. I had twins, so as you can imagine, it's, it's even more tiring than having just one. And then, you know, I had a third baby and then a fourth baby. So it's just been continuous exhaustion for the past years. So, but, you know, I'm completely used to being tired all the time. But, you know, it can be challenging, you know, to, to concentrate on work and to be as productive as you would like. And I think the other challenge was, you know, when you have kids, society sees women differently. You know, you suddenly you stop being a woman and you just a mother and I've spoken to many women and they all feel the same people see you differently and you start seeing yourself differently as well because of that so I think I got a bit lost in motherhoods for a while and it's a big life change and there was an identity change that shouldn't be there you shouldn't change your identity because you have kids so I rediscovered myself now I'm fine but I think for a while uh, that affected me in other areas of my life including my work and this is why one of the reasons I founded mothers in science so other moms don't have to go through the same experience um, yeah but I think this is quite common with women that you know when we have kids people see us differently and if you don't talk about it you don't know why and you feel it's you so it's um it can be challenging
0: yeah i'm sure like like you said having a, a community to talk to and understand if everybody is going through the same thing is definitely helpful i guess at that time yes
1: because um at the time and i think most most moms and most women actually that go through these sort of challenges um you you feel alone so if if you think the problem is in you and this this is the problem you think it's it's you so it's by speaking to other people and to other moms that you start realizing, oh, actually, <laughs> I'm not the problem. And and then, you know, you can progress. Yeah. Um,
0: I also want to know, like, have you experienced any kind of bias while you were working for any women or a mother? There's some kind of expectation that you have to be working a certain way or you're not committed enough or things like that. Uh, there are some assumptions. So have you experienced any kind of bias? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I've definitely experienced, uh, some subtle bias, let's say that I didn't know at the time now in retrospective, I know, uh, but at the time again, you know, you just think it's your own fault, you know, things like both from motherhood and from just, just from being a woman, for example, things like, you know, in, in a meeting, I had an idea and I proposed something and my boss just dismissed it. And then, um, like a week after a new guy was hired in the lab. And he said exactly the same thing as I said. And suddenly my boss, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And this is very common. I've heard many, many women telling the same story. So when this happens, you just think, what's wrong with me? You know, this is your this instinct. Of course, now I know what the problem was. Um, and then when I got pregnant, I mean, I think I mostly had a good experience work-wise, but you know, it was just very subtle things. Feeling like people didn't see me the same, you know, I, I could feel not, everyone but I could see that some people just kind of didn't think I was ambitious anymore and the, the people just assumed that I no longer would want to pursue an academic career um, just because I now w- was a mother so so it's more these sort of assumptions people have from you that you know you become a mother and you're not as competent or as, as ambitious or driven um, it's tiny subtle things over a long period of time it starts to affect you and it kind of erodes your self-confidence Confidence. So, this is the sort of things I went through.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Even I've gone through yeah, some I of can, those challenges at work. I can imagine, yes. <laughs> um, so, how did you like tackle these kind of situations? Did you have someone to talk to or did you just figure it out yourself?
1: No, I mean, uh, this was before the Me Too movement, right? Uh, at the time, we were not talking about these things in public or even uh, with each other. You know, we didn't, even sexual harassment, we wouldn't speak about this, uh, you know, women to women. We were all going through this and we didn't speak about it. So at the time, I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I didn't know about gender bias or anything like that. I just assumed I was the problem or you know, I, I knew something was wrong, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I didn't tackle it. I didn't fight it back and it did affect me. And it's only now in retrospective that, you know, I can, I'm trying to help other people and, you know, now I'm prepared if, if, if ever something like that happens to respond <laughs> promptly.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes so much sense from my experience talking to other women not everybody is interested in communicating yeah. such things so I think it's still a big issue and we still need to educate people and be more honest yeah.
1: yes yes it's uh, and I think sometimes it's just these behaviors are so normalized in our society that even women they just assume it's normal so this is why we have to raise awareness and remind people this is absolutely not normal yeah. and we have to change it
0: I want to change tracks a little bit and talk about uh, your science communication projects. Can you tell us a little bit about the multiple projects that you're currently running?
1: Uh, Yes, (laughs) they're just two uh, in addition to my, my job. Um, so one project is in science communication which is uh, well one of my passions it's called pretty smart science and it's a platform that combines uh, science writing so articles and also videos and interviews to women in science and science art so I really wanted to create a platform that is very attractive to the public because I really want to aim uh, at reaching the public as a target audience and not other researchers which often happens with this sort of platforms so you know I invite science artists science illustrators to make uh, illustrations for my article so the website is very pretty so this is the idea I'm also very active on Instagram it's sort of my second platform and yes yeah, so I speak about science and also I try to promote women in STEM so I interview women in STEM and we write biographies about historical women in STEM to sort of increase the visibility of women in STEM and hopefully encourage more women to to pursue careers in science so this is my baby pretty smart science (laughs) we still we're still trying i say we because we have now become a team so we've expanded and i'm trying to create more content and new content different content try I like to explore different different media and different formats to really see what appeals to the public. So yeah, so this is the first project I started last year. And the other project is Mothers in Science, which is, well, which soon will be a nonprofit organization. We are still not registered, but we are planning to register very soon. So it's an organization that aims to connect and support uh, Mothers in Science and, you know, raise awareness for all these challenges that women face when they have children and in particular in science careers that's what we're aiming so you know I, even i wasn't aware of any of this but there is uh, motherhood discrimination there's pregnancy discrimination there's motherhood bias there's a lot of things that are very real and that We don't know about both women and their employers need to be aware of all these bias and discriminations and to just stop it. It is very serious because, you know, when we speak about gender discrimination and, you know, gender pay gap, for example, if you look at the data, actually, most of the problem happens when women have children. And this is sort of taboo. Because you know biologically, women have to have children, right? so women without children will still earn a bit less than men, but the, the gap isn't as pronounced. so something happens when women have children that it will push them out of their careers, and this doesn't happen to men, even though men also have children. <laughs> so I think people have to ask themselves, why is this happening to mothers and not fathers? and you know it's not because they get pregnant and have children because yes, of course this affects women biologically, but only for a few months up to. Euro two. but you know all the problems continue for a lifetime and we know there is a lot of research explaining why this happens and it is discrimination it is bias it's all the things that we know uh she, you know some women will just be fired or they will be pushed to a corner in the job you know they will be removed from the big projects things like that or they will be invited <laughs> to go work part-time and slowly you know uh, they are pushed out of their career path and they will not reach the top positions. Um, and then when the babies come, it's it's all the rest. You know, it's a assumption that women are less competent and less ambitious, which is what happens to me. And it happens to a lot of women. So employers uh, will not give big projects to women, will not invite them to go to conferences. Women with children are less likely to be promoted, are less likely to be hired than fathers and men or women without children. So, and they earn less, So on average, uh, a study in the US shows that women with children will have a penalty of 5% in their salary per child, whereas men will actually get more. So fathers will get more it's insane and most people don't know about this case okay? so what we want is really to raise awareness for these issues and also support the moms who are very isolated and are going through this without knowing all of this and ultimately we want to promote change and we want to push for policies to make academia and other you know workplace environments more child friendly
0: yeah yeah that's really impressive um... We definitely need more voices to come out and speak up about these bias that some of us see it, but we don't understand exactly what needs to be done. I think this is a perfect platform for all mothers or going to be mothers to actually speak out and find a community so they understand exactly what's happening. And it's not just them. There's a whole world out there that's experiencing the same thing. So yeah, that's
1: really good thank you our first goal actually was to create this platform where the moms could share their journeys and exactly because of that because so many of us are going through this but we don't know about it we don't know about the other moms so we on instagram and on 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 the website we we share women in stem uh, they share their motherhood and science journeys which is very nice because this also inspires other moms
0: exactly yeah that's One of my goals to starting a women in STEM program that increased the longevity of the careers for women in the STEM field. Do you have any advice for mothers or expecting mothers on how they can stay motivated?
1: I think for uh, mothers, you know, given the current situation where we are in the transition period, right, what I would advise is uh, for moms or if women in science are planning to have children to try to get a very good supportive network. This is absolutely fundamental at the moment because there's such lack of support in the workplace that you really need a good supportive network. Um, and by this, I mean your partner. Gender equality starts at home. You know, studies have shown in I don't know in about thirty countries, including you know Scandinavian countries, European countries, industrialized countries, women are still doing three times more housework and childcare than men. Okay, three times. This means women spend you know they spend three times more more hours uh, than men or their partners. But the mostly studies are heterosexual couples, so then their spouses doing childcare and housework and this is a lot and no wonder women are exhausted and they don't have the energy to you know devote to their careers you need time to be ambitious and fight for the senior position so this is very important and it's a very sensitive issue obviously um but we have to talk about it it starts by having a discussion with your partner and making sure you know the the house chores and child care is split equally Expanding that support network to family and friends, you know, if you don't really have good childcare or don't have access to childcare for working those extra hours that you might need. Um, And also, if possible, you know, having a supportive supervisor or PI or boss is absolutely fundamental, especially in academia because, you know, academia is a very um, male dominated field. Traditionally, it's not a family friendly. workplace environment so having a supervisor that has kids of their own or if not who is understanding who is empathetic who will support you um you know if you need to breastfeed or if you need to take your kids to the doctor that you won't be penalized for these things which are normal and fathers this is you know this advice also goes for fathers you know because when you're a father you also need to do these things so really having a supportive uh, supervisor is is fundamental and if possible Supportive department. And the other advice I would give uh, for moms is to, you know, get in touch with other moms. You know, even if it's a community like ours, even if it's online, surround yourself by relatable role models. You know, other moms in the same situation because it can feel pretty lonely out there. Finally, also speak up. You know, if you face any injustice in your workplace, speak up and you know, and ask. Sometimes we just need to ask, and our department, our workplace, they are very happy to provide what we need. If you need breastfeeding facility or if your supervisor has a meeting uh, outside of normal office hours and you need to leave early, you know, ask, can you please change the meeting to normal office hours? You know, these sort of things, you know, there to ask, there to speak up uh, about these issues.
0: All of these are great points. Even the smallest bit of effort that you put in makes a big difference.
1: Yes, exactly. We have had moms that come to us and they say, you know, just joining your community and reading the stories of other moms has been so, so helpful. So small things like this can can really make a difference and give you that push that you need to carry on and to find that motivation to to carry on in your career. Yeah,
0: most definitely. I think even uh, for us, having the Instagram community has been really helpful.
1: Definitely. For me as well. I mean, I, I work from home and it can be very lonely. Instagram and finding a community of science communicators has been extremely helpful. Very, 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 very nice. And it's a very supportive community. Yeah, that's
0: fantastic. And that comes to the end of the show. But as the last section, we have a rapid fire round. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> I hope so. I'm going to ask you a couple of easy questions. Okay. First question. What is your favorite social media app?
1: Uh, Instagram for sure
0: (laughs) okay um what was the last vacation you took before the lockdown
1: uh it was oh gosh it was that long ago i can't remember um oh no it wasn't not that long ago (laughs) i went skiing in february (laughs) i mean skiing for the first time in my life. Yeah, it was very, very nice. Yes. Was
0: that in France or?
1: Yes, it was in the Alps. Alps it was lovely. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, and it was, I'm Portuguese, so uh, we don't have a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was the first time I was really in the mountains with snow, first time skiing. So it was very
0: nice. Yeah, it should be beautiful Alps. It's
1: beautiful, yeah.
0: Okay, next question. Um Work-life balance, myth or reality?
1: Uh, it is definitely a myth. <laughs> and I think, to be honest, it's not a good myth because I think a lot of people waste time and energy and mental health trying to achieve this sort of ideal balance which does not exist. Life is just not constant, you know. It's changing all the time. It changes from one day to the other, for one month to the other, from one year to the other, you know. Just an illusion, I think. Um, What I do in my life, I'm not sure if it's the right way. I just learn to be adaptable. And I think adaptability can be a very good kill uh, in adulthood, especially when you have kids, because when you have kids, your life just become chaos <laughs> uh, and you just have to embrace change and chaos and, you know, accept that one day you might be productive. The other day you'll have a bad night and you won't be productive. And there's no point expecting that you will be able to find a routine. If you get up at six in the morning and exercise and everything's going, no, it's, it's, it's not possible. We are humans. I, certainly learned with experience that sleep makes a huge huge difference and sleep is vastly underestimated i know that if i don't sleep well i will have a crappy day it won't be productive is that just the way it is so i gave up on trying to have work-life balance i just take one day at a time and try to enjoy as much as i can and try to be kind to myself if i don't produce one day you know that's life
0: exactly okay That was my last question.
1: Okay, that was a good
0: question. Yes. Uh, We got a lot of information about science and your journey and also learned about your project, which are excellent. Thank you so much for being on this show.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. It was really, really nice talking to you.
0: (laughs) That is it for today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. Let me know by giving us a review on iTunes or Spotify or any other platform that you're listening on. The show notes have links to my guests and all the things that we just spoke about. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast because I will be back next week with another amazing women in STEM.